following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Thursdays on the Huge Show across Michigan are brought to you by Josh Garvey and his team at Bean Garter. At the end of the year, they'll be merging with Dorn Mayhew from the east side of the state, and they'll be stronger together. They can help your business from retirement planning, payroll, audits, tax help, and more. Go to BeanGarter.com to find out about the merger and also how Bean Garter is stronger together with Dorn Mayhew. That is B-E-E-N-E-G-A-R-T-E-R.com. Thursdays on the Huge Show across Michigan are presented by Josh Garvey and his team at Bean Garter. What's up, Michigan? We begin another 60-minute journey on the only syndicated statewide afternoon sports radio show heard on 19 stations. For the one close to you, go to thehugeshow.net. Superfly Hayes is our producer. Last Monday night with Hammer and Hank Hayes, his dad, they're watching the game, and all of a sudden they see Lomas Brown. And Superfly is thinking, you know what? Each and every week with Josh Garvey and Bean Garter, soon to be Dorn Mayhew, we have Lomas on. And I talked to Lomas, and Lomas is being recognized worldwide. He gets into the is it what's the official? Is it the Pride of Honor? Yes, the Pride of the Lions. Pride of the Lions is the Ring of Honor. Right. So in, did you just roar? Yeah, okay. and I added my own sound effects. Okay, I'm five. just making sure. I, <laughs> I'm like, who's roaring right now? <laughs> We're doing a statewide show. Who's roaring? It's Lomas. He has a right to roar. So you were telling us before uh, the hour started that they surprised you with a dinner the night before with like a hundred of, of of the greatest lions ever? Yes, yes. It was a it was alumni weekend, so it was a whole clan weekend. So you know, I knew what was going to happen, but they threw a dinner Saturday night. They had a dinner. I'm sorry, Sunday night they had a dinner. Um, they recognized me. That's when I first got the jacket. Uh, Spielman first put the jacket on me. Nice tribute video, and just the guys being there. It was a little bit more intimate. I had my family there. Uh, it was just beautiful. Beautiful. And then we had activities. We had an after party. You know what I'm saying? So we got the party the night away. And then Monday, you know, I did a lot of pregame stuff before the game with Dan Miller and a couple of the people. I was able to get to the stadium and kind of soak it in. Of course, I had to work early that time. They brought me down about 10 minutes in the second quarter left. They brought me downstairs. Of course, the ceremony took place at halftime. It was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. Like I say, the best part was having almost 100 alumni around me, of course, with my family, Shillaham, Elizabeth Ford, having them there. It was just, it was awesome, man. And then the Lions won. On top of everything else, we won. We shook up the L.A. Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders. We shook up the organization after we kicked their butt, so they ended up firing everybody. So it was just a great weekend overall, and I'm thankful. Uh, we'll get to the game in a moment, but uh, that private dinner uh, party the night before for you, was Barry there? Oh, yeah. The little big fellow was there. Herman Moore was there. Jason Hansen was there. Calvin was there. So they had – it was mostly the – and Spielman, mostly the pride of the Lion members. 
So it's almost like a Hall of Fame dealing when you bring back all the hot, the pride of the guys. So they brought all the guys back in the course, all the alumni that aren't in there yet or aren't in there, they were there too. Then was a little big fella at the party after the dinner, was he doing his famous moonwalk? Yeah, well, you know, the little big fella, man, he had to shut it down early. You know, he has to get his rest, man, because the little big fella has problems with, uh, you know, he has problems staying awake. So the little big fella had to get his rest. But the little fella, the little big fella was there on Monday night, as you've seen. So he partake, uh, partake in a lot of the activities that we had this weekend. Well, a little big fella has to shut it down early. Yeah, a little big, yeah. you know, little big fella had to shut it down early. Josh, yeah, he had to shut it down. He's getting a little old now. I yeah. remember the little big fella coming in at the age of twenty. Now he's <laughs> up in the fifties, so he's getting up there. Boy, I, I, I think there's some some backhanded compliments there towards a little it big is. fella. It always is. <laughs> I get, I get. Oh, you got to get home early. It's eleven o'clock. What are you doing, little big fella? It's Lomas's <laughs> celebration party. Where, where was the party at? Was it in Fort Field? At one of the banquet rooms or something? No, I mean, some people might get upset, but they had it at the MGM at Top Golf. Um, they had everything set up before the strike happened. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a little eventful down there at the MGM. Well, that's okay, though, man. Who cares where it was, man? It was about you, Lomas, and celebrating one of the great careers in the NFL. And like I tell everybody, uh, what you hear is what you get in person. And Josh, you'll say the same thing about getting to know Lomas the last few months. Uh, he's as good as it gets, isn't it? Absolutely, he is. Uh, had a chance to have lunch a few times, right? And a talk few with times. Lomas, now, so. now it's going from yeah. one to a few times. <laughs> I'm surprised you weren't at the party Sunday night. I'm waiting for that to Josh to go, hey, Lomas, I, I saw Barry leave early. That was hilarious. Yeah. Well, actually, I, w- I was. Uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> we haven't got to that part yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, uh, excuse me, but the Dorn Mayhew Lomas Weekly event has been canceled until further notice. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what, what what stuck out to you, Josh, about Lomas? That you really, from watching him growing up and, and and hearing Lomas on the Lions Radio Network, but now when you got to know him on a personal level, what what really stood out to you? Uh, just a personable guy, real nice guy, um, friendly, smart, uh, doing some things post football that I that I'm proud of for that to hear his stories. Um, and in, in our firm, certainly, uh, you know, trying to help support how we can with that. So I'm, yeah, I, I think those are the things that struck me the most. And uh, down to earth, humble guy. I mean, th- those are the things that come to mind after, you know, sitting down with Lomas and talking to him a few times. So, um, yeah. My, my first impression is a lasting impression that he puts other people first. He always does. And, and it, family, friends, teammates, uh, helping in the community, whatever he can do. Yeah, he's great on air, uh, has a great laugh. We all have a uh, on and off air, a great time talking football and life. But I've always admired him for that. He has a selfless attitude where the people he respects and loves around him, and even those that he'll meet for the first time, he puts them first. Wow. I appreciate that, guys. That really means a lot. Really does. Was that bigger than the Monday night speech or Sunday night speech? Yeah. Where does it rank right now on the speeches? Almost? It was right up there. Right up there? <laughs> <laughs> who who did say something uh, between Sunday, uh, all the weekend festivities, Monday? Who said something either publicly or privately to you, Lomas, that really was that wow? Well, 
Well, it was it, it, it was definitely Kevin Glover. You know, uh, my closest friend, one of the guys. You know, I spent eleven years battling with in the, on the offensive line. Uh, we roomed together at the Senior Bowl, so I met him even before we got drafted here in Detroit. And just so happened. The Lions drafted me in the first round and drafted him in the second round the same year. So it was just awesome, you know, for him to relive some of the, the past with me and him and, you know, a few things I forgot that we did together. But it was just great, man. So so him and, you know, of course, what Barry said, because, you know, I told Barry, I'm like, hell, it would be no Loma Brown without Barry Sanders, you know, because he really put us on the map. Uh, when he got here in 1989, you know, I, it was just a pleasure to have a guy that just brought the impact that he brought, just not to the team, but he brought to the state. And, you know, he brought to the country because he was a one of a kind. And, you know, for me to get an opportunity to block for him and Hughes and, and Josh, I tell everybody, I miss Billy Sims by one year. He got hurt in 84. They drafted me in 85. So I could have blocked for both number mm. 20s. You talking about a resume builder. That would have been awesome if I could have did that. But no complaints. Everything worked out very well, I think, for me. I think there's three. T- it was a Lem Barney number 22? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's the original. I right. call him the original. Yes. Yeah, those yeah. are three good number 20s. Uh, Barney, Sims, and Barry Sanders. And Lomas, I know you're humble and have a lot of humility inside your soul. But let's be honest, if Barry didn't have a great offensive line, yeah, he still would have had numbers, but they wouldn't have been as big uh, with that without that great O-line led by you and Glover and the crew. Yeah, I, you know, you're right. You know, I know what the narrative nationally is that Barry didn't have a good offensive line. But, I mean, I think any offensive line, if you have two all-pros on your offensive line, you got a good offensive line. I mean, you can even kind of compare with our O-line and stuff, you know, with Frank and, you know, with what Panay's doing. And, of course, Taylor Decker's been doing a great job. And, you know, we faced a lot of tragedy. You know, think about it. In 91, Mike Utley gets paralyzed during the season. And then Eric Andelsack, our starting left guard next to me, he, get ki- he gets killed during the offseason. So you lose both of your starting guards in 91. And we were just never able to just, uh, you know, it, it, it was just too much to overcome, losing that type of talent. You know, off our offensive line. So we kind of struggled a little bit. But, yeah, I just think um, all the guys that I played with on the offensive line throughout the years that helped me help Barry uh, do what he did. That day when Barry said he was done playing pro football, Lomas, and you're close to Barry, you Glover, like you said, all pro offensive linemen, did you believe it or did you think he was this upset, whether it was Bobby Ross, management, whoever it was, that he truly was done. No, I believe it. I told someone when he did that, he was done. Because Barron was always a person of conviction. And whatever he said, he stuck to it. I seen Barry turn down commercials where he could make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, I was on the other end of Barry, you know, in his first year, he could have won the Russian title. He only needed nine yards to go and we had a whole quarter left to play. 
and he didn't want to go back there and there and get it. That was worth the Russian title, plus that was worth the uh, incentive uh, bonus. So I knew what type of man he was early in his career. And when he said he was done, I knew he was done, that he wasn't coming back. Because, again, like I said, he was always a man of his conviction. I always sense from a distance, and you were there in the locker room, on the field, off the field, team planes, games, everything, Lomas, that he didn't want the spotlight, that he retired because he didn't want to be the all-time leading rusher. And, yeah, Emmett had a great offensive line, but he didn't want that. But he And he was humble. Uh, you know, he really enjoyed being out of the spotlight for how big of a NFL star he was. Uh, am I far off on that? No, I think some of it has to do with that. I think he had that respect factor uh, for Walter Payton and what he had accomplished. But I also think, too, that, you know, him seeing the team change. Um, if you think about it, in 1995, the Lions let me and Chris Spielman leave um, via free agency. Um, and two years later, Benny Blades and Kevin Glover, you know, out of that, I think from Barry's standpoint, from the things I knew and heard and talked to him about, it was more so he didn't recognize the team anymore. Uh, and a lot had to do with free agency. You know, free agency really kicked in in 1993, so the salary cap started becoming a problem. So some of the guys that were there, we knew if we brought in certain guys, that certain guys might not be back. That was kind of my case when Scott Mitchell came in, you know. So, you know, we knew that, and I think that was part of the landscape that changed for Barry, and I think that was kind of the landscape that kind of helped him uh, say that this was too different and it was something that he no longer loved doing. And if you guys know, if you don't love playing football, that's the one game, especially with the brutality and the contact and the physicality of that game, you have to love that game. If you don't, you got to get out of it. Well said, man. Thanks for taking us uh, behind the Honolulu Blue uh, curtain there. Lomas Brown uh, just uh, celebrated as one of the greatest of all time, Monday Night Football for the Lions and their pride. Uh, joining us uh, each and every Thursday uh, with Bean Carter, soon to be Dorn Mayhew. Uh, Josh Garvey is the managing shareholder for the Grand Rapids office. And gosh, Josh, I, we were looking at each other, Lomas is talking, and it was like a, a flashback to growing up, wasn't it? It definitely was. Yeah, some of those players' names that you mentioned I haven't heard in a long time. Um, Boy, Bobby Ross did such a good job with all that talent. <laughs> I was waiting. You see, I see Lomas get quiet. You see Lomas get quiet. He's like spitting up his coffee. There was a moment of there, silence. Yeah, right there with Lomas. Hey, one thing on the the football life, which was a great series. I don't know if they're still doing yeah. it with the NFL Network. When Barry was real candid and was asked if Bobby Ross never would have been the coach, would you have played? And he and and he stopped without saying anything. He said something. You know, I, that's what I took from it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, huge. I want to see Bye Bye Barry, the new doc that's coming out uh, by Amazon that'll be out. I think it's coming out towards the end of, uh, or coming out next month. Uh, so or this month, I forgot we're in November now, right? Aren't we in November? Yeah, we're, yeah, in, we're November. in November, man. Yeah, yeah, it's coming out. November's this, uh, Lomas Brown month with the Lions. December's Lomas Brown month with the Lions, followed by January and February. <laughs> hey, well, look, look, Hugh, 
think about it. It had the season hadn't meant a lot in November around here. You know what I'm saying? Other Amen. than the Thanksgiving Day game, a lot of times we weren't in the in the race. You know, it was nothing to be excited about around here. Now, man, we're leading the, the NFC. You know, going into the month of November, that hadn't been said a lot around here in a long time. Congrats again, Lomas. So glad you join us uh, each and every week uh, with our friends from Bean Garter, soon to be Dorn Mayhew. Josh Garvey heads up the Grand Rapids office. They have the world headquarters over in Troy on the east side of the state. Uh, I think because we spent 16 minutes talking, and rightfully so, about Lomas, we won't do our NFL picks this week, but we will talk about the Lions win and look ahead uh, post-bye week when they return in L.A. So, Josh, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think of the game Monday night? Oh, it was a great game. Uh, we, 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 we talked about last week having to get the win. Uh, we did that. Um, I think the fans brought the energy. Um, thought Gibbs played his heart out, right? Played real hard, played well. A little Barry-ish. I, I mean, I, a little <laughs> like mini Barry. Yeah, he looked yeah. good. Uh, he, he's, he looks like a tough young kid. Mm. He's just out there hungry to play, and he played well. Um, I thought Goff played pretty well, minus the one throw, right, that we lobbed up there. But um, overall, uh we had a lot of field goals, right? Remembering the game back now, we, we, we kicked too many field goals, uh, yeah. got down deep in the zone, um, and then suddenly fizzled out, and we kicked a bunch of field goals. That game could have easily been into, into the mid, or, uh, mid to upper 40s, low 50s uh, for mm-hmm. Detroit. Uh, so some things to take forward to learn from that game, but very excited. Uh, six and two heading into the bye week. Um, we're looking good. So Looking good in the fight for NFC home field advantage. Lomas, you were there through all the emotion of being honored, Monday Night Football, everything. Uh, early on in that game, I'm like, uh-oh, this is a little same old Lions uh, they're dropping on us. And I agree with Josh, too many field goals. But you watch them adjust. You watch the defense start to finish, keep that team in the game. And what I witnessed in the end, Lomas, was the Lions weren't perfect, played a great second half, and found a way to win, and we haven't seen that a lot in years past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's two it's two things that we have that travel well in the NFL, and that's a run game and that's defense. And right now, with our run game, the way it's clicking, I mean, it doesn't matter. Snow, sleep, rain, it doesn't matter – you could take your run game on the road, at home, you know, so it doesn't matter as long as you have a good run game. Uh, and the defense, when you have a defense that can keep you in games, like you said, Hugh, don't let the other team get too far while you're making adjustments on offense to get your game plan going. Our defense, putting pressure on quarterbacks, and uh, takeaways, uh, just all the things that defenses have to do to make your team better. That's what we're getting right now. So the two bet, two ingredients that you can take on the road, you can take in the playoffs, you know, we have right now. I'm telling you, the only thing I'm just a little tad bit nervous about, and I'm glad he was four out of five, but I'm just a, still a little nervous about the kicking game, just the, the field goal game, because, again, 
We could be in a close game. It could come down. That's Eddie Murray back in 83, right? Mm. It could come down to a field goal to get you into the next round of the playoffs. And you got to be, you got to have that guy that you can really, really count on. So that's the only thing just I'm a little edgy about right now. But I love what we're doing. Yeah, my my edge on the Lions, the not a negative concern edge, would be still getting healthy. That's why the bye week comes at a great time, Josh. And you get Montgomery and Gibbs. I'd like to see both in the backfield at the same time. The pickup of Donovan Peoples-Jones provides depth, not only a wide receiver, but also as a possible punt returner, which means Raymond could become more uh, of the first-team offense. So options, you know, uh, Josh, I think the big key is – any team, business, NFL, Major League Baseball, Rangers last, uh, you know, uh, last World Series champion winning that uh, last night. Uh, it's about having options. And I like what the options are right now for the Lions. I do, too. And I think we talked about this uh, the last couple of weeks. You, Lomas and I, which was key players that have to be there for us to continue to get these wins and Montgomery was high on that list for all three of us we talked about if we were to make trades at the trade deadline what would that look like and we picked up people's Jones I think all of us agreed a receiver ad would be helpful we talked about Marvin Jones Jr. uh, maybe kind of fizzling out right and so people's Jones is a good football player Uh, he's a Michigan guy he Mm -hmm. played well Uh, he was he was still contributing pretty pretty highly for the Browns right and so I like that pickup Uh, I like people's Jones I think he adds depth there so Let's get some rest. Let's get healthy. Let's get Montgomery back, and let's uh, let's look on to the next week. So, there is a part of me, uh, Lomas, and I'll get to your thoughts on Donovan Peoples-Jones in a moment. That the secondary, there's still some separation on some of those deep throws from opposing receivers. And granted, the Lions' pressure uh, isn't allowing quarterbacks to get that deep throw, especially when they played uh, Mayfield and uh, Jimmy G this past Monday night. Uh, your thoughts on the Lions' secondary moving forward, beginning with San Diego that has a ton of receiving options and a great uh, QB, probably second-best quarterback, well, third-best after Mahomes, Lamar Jackson uh, that they've faced. Thoughts on the Lions' secondary and also Donovan Peoples-Jones signing? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point you bring up, Hughes, because early in that game, we were we, we were five to six to seven to eight yards off the receivers. So we, we started off the game playing soft. We really did. And I kind of wondered about that, too. And I know, again, we're banged up back in the secondary. We're trying to get some guys healthy. Guys are coming back. Still a young secondary because most of our guys back there are young guys. So I kind of see you know, kind of, you know, some of the apprehension to, you know, wanting to get up on these guys and try to redirect them. But some of these receivers that we're going to face, you know, especially like you're talking about uh, with the Chargers, you're going to have to get up on these guys. You're going to have to redirect these guys because these are big, strong guys that if they get free releases, they'll eat you up all game long. So I was proud of how Aaron Glenn made the adjustment in the second half. Um, that's something for us to watch as the year goes on, how we play those guys. And, of course, like you said, with a good pass rush, that always helps that secondary. And on uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I thought that was great. I knew they were looking at maybe bringing back Tom Kennedy 
But to bring in a big receiver, I thought was needed more so than getting another small guy. Uh, like you say, he could help us on special teams. He's coming back home. And I'm telling you, that motivates you coming back home. Wanting to play for your hometown team, the team that you grew up watching, that can really motivate you. So I'm looking for him to come in motivated, ready to go, ready to prove something, ready to show his hometown state, <clears throat> you know, just the type of player that he is and that he was when he was here. So great pickup. Brad Holmes is doing a great job, man. He really is. He has to be in the running for uh, GM of the year. He has to be in the running for executive of the year. And I say it year after year. Dan Campbell has to be in the running for coach of the year because of what he's doing with a young team and what he has been doing with this team. Man, if you were doing the, and we're not quite halfway there yet for the Lions on the season with 17 regular season games, so they're eight in. Yeah, Campbell, coach of the year. I agree with you with Holmes, executive of the year. I I don't think golf is at that MVP level yet. I, I think he would be top eight in the voting if it was right now. I don't think I'm far off on that, Lomas. Josh, what do you no, think? No, no. No, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. And uh, Like you said, uh, if I had my MVP so, like, huge, real fast, if we were at, at the midseason, right. defensive MVP for me, I know you can argue with Aiden Hutchinson, but I got to have Aiden and Alexander Zaloni. Those probably my two right now leading the way on the defensive side of the ball. If I look at the offensive side of the ball, I'm looking at Jared, but, man, David Montgomery, you guys know how I feel about David, but he's missed a couple of games. So I got to have Jared on that side of the ball right there. So that's kind of how I'm looking at my team. I don't know how you guys are looking at it, but that's kind of how I'm looking at my offensive and defensive MVPs if we're at the halfway point of the season right now. All right, so, Josh, uh, who's been the best Lions defensive player, offensive player, I – it's easy. I, I think it's it, well, you know, St. Brown. You can't discard. It's Goff or it's Montgomery. I mean, look, look at all the defense. You're right. It could be Hutch because he's getting double teamed. Anzalone uh, really has been in great pursuit of the ball. I mean, Branch went in. You know, Branch is almost in that same category that if he played all the games, he might be your guy. I don't. Yeah. You know, I, you mentioned Benny Blades earlier when the Lions started that transitioning out of the Barry era. I think Branch, I was telling my buddies watching the game Monday, I think Branch supports a run as good as any Lions DB I've seen since Benny Blades, and he's he hasn't even played a half a season in the league. Yeah, and, and he can catch better than Benny. I'm telling you, he has hands better than Benny, so that makes him a double threat that he can pick the ball off more so than Benny did. Now, Benny would punish you. Benny will punish you, and Brian Brand seems to be in the same mold of a guy that will punish you. You come across that middle. Have to agree. You like uh, with uh, with Brand? Who would be who? Who's your Lions? Who's the best Lion through eight games, Josh? Offensively and defensively. I think defensively, um, I'm going to go with Alex Anzalone here. Um, that guy is just all over the field. Um, I mean, he's got the guys in the crowd wearing the long blonde hair wigs now, right? He's got his own <laughs> crowd following. It's like like the Fabio wigs. It's kind of funny to see, but he is just all over the football. That guy side to side is so fast and. He just has a knack to get the ball, get on the ball. So I'm going to go with Anzalone on defense. 
Um, Hutchinson a close second, but offensive side of the ball, I think it's got to go to golf. Um, he's playing really, really well. You said top eight, maybe in that area. I'd have to agree. I'm talking league MVP, not just Lions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. top eight in yeah. the league quarterbacks. I mean, he's his his touchdown to interception ratio is tough. Um, he's taking care of the ball. He's smart with the ball. Um, he's playing really, really good on the offensive side. So. Those are my two picks uh, through eight games. All right, guys. Well, we're not going to do our NFL picks uh, this week because I really wanted to pay tribute to Lomas uh, to start this show. We have the bye week. We'll get back to our NFL picks uh, next week, looking ahead uh, to the Lions uh, at the Chargers. Uh, when they return from the bye week, we'll break down that game uh, next week in our segment that we do every week. Josh Garvey is the other voice you hear. He is a managing shareholder, handles Adorn Mayhew, Grand Rapids office, their world headquarters in Troy on the east side of the state. Lomas Brown, former Lions great. You hear Lomas with Dan and TJ on the Lions radio network. Joins us every week uh, through the Super Bowl. My man Lomas, again, uh, congrats. Always appreciate your time and enjoy the bye week. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for everything. I appreciate you all. All right, Lomas Brown checking in on our weekly segment with Doran Mayhew and Josh Garvey. Uh, well done. Always appreciate your commentary. You've Grown as an incredible broadcaster. <laughs> I'm just reading what you text. I appreciate texted. it. I'm reading. I'm, hold on. <laughs> He's reading off Superfly. No, sheet. Superfly. Yeah, we... <laughs> Superfly. Well, you guys are going long. You're not doing your picks. You're going long. Hey, I wanted to pay tribute to Lomas. And he gave us Barry info. That's gold. <laughs> that is gold. In the state of Michigan. Good work. Enjoy the weekend with the family and friends. Much appreciated. See you next week. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan. Thanks to Josh Garvey and Lomas Brown stopping by last segment, talking about the Lions in the NFL. Now let's go get the latest on the allegations against Michigan football, the Connor Stallion situation. My good friend Chris Ballas is standing by. How's it going, Chris? Hey, buddy. Doing all right. Wow. Uh, so, you know, every morning it seems we wake up, Monday through Friday, it's not on weekends when there's college football, but Monday through Friday we wake up with a new leak, a new source, a new story. Big Ten coaches had a meeting reportedly, you know, Harbaugh, um, you know, uh, wasn't allowed in on the other coaches speaking freely. Uh, what, what's going on, man? What, what is yeah. happening? I told you it's like a 30 for 30, right? And then you have people wondering if the recent leak, you know, of a, of a staffer getting in trouble is related to, you know, maybe he's the whistleblower type of thing. It's, this is, you know, we're in the early stages here of an investigation. And uh, the funny part is you've got these coaches. Well, you know, how can you do this when we're going to be at a competitive disadvantage? What, what are you talking about? Everybody knows now, right? You, you, Michigan State wasn't at a competitive disadvantage. They were calling their signals in through their quarterback and they got to be 49 to nothing. Should have been much worse. We know that Ohio State knew about the signal thing last year so mr went in there and kicked their butts at, at their place so i think some feelings were hurt there and you know everybody knows you know the, the gamesmanship when it comes to science dealing michigan took it to a level they shouldn't have and you and i talked about this earlier and i said that absolutely but now we're getting to the point here with the sensationalist crap where the narrative is being driven by rivals and and different networks and guys that are being spoon-fed by by rivals and we need to take a step back here and let this thing play out and uh, as as it should and it as it always has, right? We've had we've had coaches on federal wiretaps in basketball 
and they didn't do a damn thing about it for how many years. But now everybody's saying, okay, this is the this is the one that we have to you know we have to punish this team now, even though you know there's no evidence. We don't have the evidence yet in front of us. We haven't completed an investigation. We've just started it. That's absurd. So let's let it play out. Um, let them finish the season. I think that's probably going to happen. I think it'd be absurd if it weren't. I think Michigan would push back against that. I really don't think it's an option. I just think people are keeping it in the news at this point. So, uh, but we'll see where it goes because every day, it's like you said, every day it seems to be a new adventure. Uh, what is that story with uh, the low-level staffer uh, who what uh, involving allegations of something with yeah. a minor teenage girl or something? Right? What's yeah, that? I, what's that story? I yeah, I haven't looked into it that that much. I know it was a low-level staffer, and when they found out about it, whatever it was, he was fired immediately. So it's nothing that was yeah. uh, had to do with Michigan. But it's it's just adds right. It adds to the negative perception and the negative press. And everybody wants to, you know, pile everything together. And I get it. You know what? Um, it's a bad look. So, but who knows? If who knows if that leads to something else? Who knows what's going to be reported tomorrow? It's very clear when you have a private investigator covering your following your program. Could you imagine if we had PIs going around the country and covering all these programs? What they would uncover? I know things. You and I have talked over beers about things that have happened in, in the recruiting scene and everything else that would blow your mind. Uh, imagine if PIs had access to, to all these programs and what they would find out. So, um, and again, I am not excusing in any way, shape, or form what happened with this Connor Stallions. If he was on the sidelines at Central Michigan against Michigan State, uh, certainly not illegal uh, and certainly unscrupulous and needs to be looked into and needs to be dealt with. And, uh, and, and the first step has already been taken. He's been suspended, obviously, with pay. I would imagine he's not long for Michigan in terms of employment. On the other side of this, I'm watching uh, active Michigan Board of Regents and Santa Ono in the last couple of days, including a Board of Regents today talking about visiting the team, that there seems to be this internal support for hardball in Michigan football, which is kind of strange because last week I was calling for someone to step up at Michigan and support hardball, not let him dangle in the wind. And Uh here in Ann Arbor, and it's not your typical circling the wagons, I don't think they're looking at this as – a big of a deal as some on Twitter or the 57 employees for ESPN who are tweeting out about this. Yeah, who said it's a 20-point advantage? You know, it's funny because two years ago, the NCAA wrote, well, it's a minimal. We want to get rid of this rule anyway because it's a minimal competitive advantage. And they considered actually doing away with the no on-site scouting. But now, all of a sudden, it's a 20-point advantage if you if you figure out sign stealing. And uh, come on, let's, let's get real here. And that's what I mean about snowballing and creating the narrative here. And you've got anonymous sources. If you're going to be that guy, then put your name on it, right? If you're going to be that guy that says, well, we would have beaten them, but you know what? Uh, they stole our signs. Then come out and say it and let everybody laugh at you because most of the time against most of these teams, we know it's not going to be true. So um, there's certainly no doubt in anybody's mind at Michigan that this was at least in part started by Ohio State or involved Ohio State in terms of uh, private investigators. And there are actually people looking to try to put the pieces together there. But in no way does that affect what Michigan did and uh, and how the NCAA is going to deal with it, as people have said, too. So um, it's just it's a bizarre situation, man, all the way around. And to say, you know, to have some people now uh, in the administration and we reported and I told you this two days ago, it was a seven and seven to nothing vote. Uh, We've confirmed with 
many people uh, that the regents were unanimous, and that's rare, right? They came into the meeting unanimous at seven to zero based on the information that they had given, and I think that's important that they had been given by the NCAA about what Connor Stallions allegedly did and who was involved. That they were going to proceed with the Jim Harbaugh contract extension with language in there that hey, if anything else comes out or if this happens, then of course you can be you know it can be terminated or, or deemed null and void. So, um, but he's going to be your coach one way or another. He's under contract, so he's either going to be your coach or he's not. So I don't really understand when people say, oh, this is a, a middle finger to the NCAA. There was no bigger middle finger to the NCAA than a lifetime contract for Bill Self in the midst of multiple level one and, and, uh, and violations, uh, alleged violations uh, for which he got a four-game suspension when it was all said and done. So let's let it play out. And uh, absolutely, the president has his back. He was one of the ones that was there in that meeting on Tuesday morning and voted on it and said, let's get this thing done, send it to the athletic director to get it done. We'll see when it gets signed, and we'll see if Jim Harbaugh signs it. But uh, there is zero doubt that they are proceeding as of now with that contract. Let's be honest and look at the narrative here on uh, five sources telling uh, Pete Thamel that the Big Ten, and he's with ESPN, should take action. Let's do the math here. Uh, Two of them would be upcoming opponents, uh, Franklin at Penn State and Ohio State. Another one could be Luke Fickle possibly playing Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. Let's throw the other two in. We'll go with Shiano because openly he doesn't like them. And the fifth one on the Harbaugh hater top five from the huge show. Uh, I'll go with uh, interim coach Harlan Barnett. And we don't want to talk why there's an interim head coach there right now in East Lansing. (laughs) Well, three of those have ties to Ohio State, right? Shiano, Ryan Day, and Luke Fickle. Oh, really? Chris, I didn't know that. So just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah. And Franklin, when they get beat, hey, man, you know, we we did everything we could. He tells his boosters and Ryan Day so desperate for his job. You know, I mean, now I'm thinking Notre Dame, how'd you only have 10 guys on the field? Take care of business. Yeah, and you know what? He's changed the narrative from you can't beat Michigan and you stink and we want to get rid of you to, hey, the only reason you lost to Michigan is because you had a bunch of cheaters, even though they knew that Michigan was, uh, they knew that they admitted, they acknowledged before the game. You know, we changed things up and you got your butts kicked, so own it. You know what? Uh, yeah, what Michigan did was wrong, but it had nothing to do with what happened in Columbus back in November. And uh, you know what? I can promise you that Michigan is on a mission here. And they understand that really the only recourse here as a team, because a lot of it people are saying, now oh, you only won because you cheated, is to go out and win, beat everybody by, you know, 50 points or 20 points or whatever if you're playing at Penn State and you're playing Ohio State and they're pissed off. And we already saw it with Michigan State. The only reason that wasn't a 70 to nothing game was because Jim Harbaugh took his foot off the gas in the third quarter. So uh, they didn't need signs to beat them. I'm guessing that's probably going to be the case the rest of the year. This is just a damn good football team that's got 17 to 20 guys they're going to be drafted in the NFL draft. Ohio State fans and coaches calling out other schools for cheating. Look at where we stand in the world of intercollegiate athletics. It's unreal. It really is. And But it seems like it, these are things that always happen to Michigan, right? And and you know what? When the, with the Fab Five thing, you know, it took a rollover, and I'm glad it happened, and I've said that. You know what? There's no place for that in college basketball. There's no place for that at Michigan. And if you want to sit there and talk about how you're, you're high and mighty and your standards, then those things can't happen. Uh, I don't care where, where else it's happening. 
you know what, you're supposed to be better than that. So you're supposed to be better than having one of your coaches be on the sidelines for the Central Michigan. You know, and, and that's the allegation, right? Nobody's proven it, but yeah, the allegation, quote unquote. But you know, there are allegations now that he was helping them um, and helping some of their staffers call their plays for them. That he was that, he, that they were actually using them. Now we've talked to people in in Mount Pleasant that said that the athletic director sent out an email on Monday saying, save all your emails, save everything. We need to get to the bottom of this. And she is a former NCAA compliance director, I believe. So they will get to the bottom of it, and we'll find out exactly what happened. But it's going to take some time. And until it does, guess what? You play football, and you let things go. And then when you get the evidence that you need, right, and uh, and then you proceed. So uh, you don't sit there and come and say, oh, my gosh, it's still a competitive advantage when it's not, and manufacture things keep this in the news when that's absolutely not the case. And look at the true fact here of those with connections to ESPN, how in the last 24 hours, all in unison, even Paul Feinbaum uh, changing his tune, just look at the agenda-driven network that continues to plummet uh, with people not buying their subscriptions, with viewership uh, declining, and there is a reason. And yeah. it's ESPN garbage. So yeah, that sells, right? Eh, whatever, man. Yeah. You know what? If you can't even identify Connor Stallions with all that video right now, nobody can. <laughs> right? Nobody can. It's a Photoshop. Someone brought that up. I don't know. I don't. But but we yeah. we look at Twitter and we think it's real. Everything on Twitter, people can have fake emails, fake names, but it's real. I mean, here's where I've stated from day one, or here's where I stand and what I've stated from day one. That if Harbaugh, if Stallions, if anybody connected to Michigan football is involved in illegal scouting, okay, that whatever the punishment is from the NCAA, whatever the precedent for punishment is, it should be sanctioned against Michigan. And Harbaugh being in charge will, will feel the effects of Connor Stallion doing something or any other assistant that violates NCAA rules, even if he didn't know about it. That's, that's the way it works. Yeah, absolutely it is, and that's the way it should work. Uh, but you got to let it play out, right? It's, it's called due process, and, you know, the NCAA operates under its own rules and, and everything else. But, you know, I was talking to a national analyst and a national writer about this, and I said, and he, said he, was, he was surprised that Michigan was basically fighting back and saying, hey, we're going to sign him to a contract anyway. And I said, seems pretty brazen. And he says, yeah, just like North Carolina and Kansas and stuff like that. And, you know, and I, he said, uh, when you go that route, he says they almost always back down. He said it always works. And, uh, you know, it's different. And with past presidents, I think they wouldn't have even waited. They would have said, okay, you got us. We're guilty without even an investigation. So I give credit to Santa Ono for waiting at least to see what happens because we have no idea what else is coming. And we have no idea the seriousness of this yet. We can assume things. Um, but and I'd say that about anybody, anywhere. And I've said that, you know, when, when uh, things come out against other programs, let's wait and see what, what the results are. And then you make your decision. So, but this rush to judgment. Uh, is just bizarre, and it just seems it reeks of desperation, doesn't it? Like there are so many people that want Harbaugh gone that these 
stories about cheeseburgers and illegal contact, which goes on a hundred times more frequently at other schools, becomes a, a monster of a story at Michigan. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that don't like Jim Harbaugh, and I'm not excusing him for his role in any of it. I want to be perfectly clear about that, but uh, you want to talk about taking this thing to another level. That's exactly what some people seem determined to do. Yeah, so you, you take the three coaches with connections to Ohio State, and even P.J. Fleck was a grad assistant uh, at Ohio State in 2006, so that's four. Uh, you throw in the Michigan State hatred, which, by the way, um, I haven't got a confirmation yet, Superfly, but I think uh, the first 10,000 people this weekend at Michigan State's home game against Nebraska will get a T-shirt courtesy of Mel Tucker that says, thank you, Connor Stallions. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not confirming that yet. That's at T-shirtgiveaway.com. I, can, I can't. I can't confirm that. I don't want people going to the game thinking you're going to get a T-shirt, green and white colors, that says, you know, uh, that are purchased by Mel Tucker. Thank you, Connor Stallions. When I get confirmation of that, I'll share it. Chris, i got to get to a network timeout. Appreciate the update from Ann Arbor. Anytime. Thanks, Billy. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Final segment on this Thursday broadcast. A reminder, get your pro football picks in each and every week by Sunday morning. And that $1,500 in cash from Josh Garvey and his team at Bean Garter, soon to be Doran Mayhew at the end of the year, could be yours. You can play as many weeks as you want to. The more weeks you beat me, the more chances you'll have to win. The Thursday night game is always a freebie. So you have until Sunday morning to try and beat my pro football picks each and every week through the big game in February. Get your picks in by Sunday morning, weekly, at thehugeshow.net. And if you miss anything we talk about on air, our podcasts are free and we are everywhere. Just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts. Big. Bad. Huge.